0: This episode of Ride right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets.
1: And Zupan's Markets is bringing something brand new for those of you and us who are dog lovers in Portland. When you shop uh, in the hot weather, it's especially disconcerting to figure out how to get that done without uh, leaving your dogs in jeopardy. Now, Zupan's has a thing called Dog Spot, and they're little dog houses that are air-conditioned that you can, where you can leave your dog while you shop. It's secure- As I said, it's air-conditioned, and uh, it's a pretty cool idea. You just download the app. Court will give you the information, plug your information in, unlocks the door, and it unlocks it at the end when you're done shopping to pull your dog out. I tried it this morning with Oakley, and uh, it worked flawlessly, and I was able to watch Oakley while I shopped.
0: That's pretty cool. The app is called Dogspot, so you want to download that, and then uh, typically it's about $0.30 per minute, but right now, Zupan's Pup. One big long word is a promo code you can use and receive ninety minutes free when you sign up.
1: Let's just get your shopping done quickly and get yeah. out there. You Dog get, Spot get.
0: app. Fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm. Also at Zupan's, they have, of course, fantastic events. You got to go to zoopans.com and look under the events tab. They have really nice dinners, but this
0: uh this weekend. Floral design and wine. Yeah, Chris, floral design and wine. That happens on Friday. And then because there's always stuff going on, you've got Spanish wine tasting on August 10th. Uh, On August 16th, my wife's birthday, the Hatch Chili Festival. That's always big at Zupan's. You can get all the details, as Chris mentioned. On their website, zoopans.com, just clicking on the events tab. And, of course, while you're there, don't forget to sign up for the news feed where there's always a benefit coming your way for uh, getting the inside scoop. Coming up on the 23rd and 25th of a month, uh, 20% off all olive oil. So look for that in your email if you've signed up for the news feed. Don't forget three locations to serve you. Lake Oswego, McAdam, West Burnside, and where, Chris? Zoopans.com. Here it is. It's Portland's food scene podcast with Right at the Fork, with your host Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures, and Port.
1: But 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 that's right. I was looking at the P, and I was going to say yep. Port Johnson, Court Johnson, mm-hmm. kink.fm, Father podcaster. Yep, you still doing your podcast. Yep, with my wife. How's that going? Unholy matrimony. It's been good. How's the How's the marriage going? Oh, it's, it's
0: fine. It's kind of therapy for us.
1: Is it really? Yeah.
0: Do Do you get
1: do you ever stop that podcast in the middle and say, hey, we got to talk uh, about this? There has been, there's <laughs>
0: one episode and I, 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 should, I should learn to re, remind myself which number it is. It's a, it's either four or five where we stopped the podcast in the middle and we, we were done. Uh, oh. We were both upset with each other. How many days did it take to get back like, to- Well, we know, we, I, she went away. <laughs> she was actually sitting right where you are right now. She went away. I sat here for about 10 minutes. Then I texted her and I said, all right, okay, let's let's do this. So she came back down and we finished it. So uh, Unholy Matrimony is the name of the podcast. You can go to unholypodcast.com and it's all listed out right there. But it's, it's, been, it's been harder. We're trying to get more regular at it because, as you know, the uh, success for a podcast, uh, obviously great content, but also just regularity. Mm-hmm. And she started this new job. She's traveling more. I'm traveling. I actually i am going out of town this week. And so we're trying to figure out where we plug in our record time. Cause and then there's edit time. Then there's edit and then time. There's
1: also, it's it's yeah. a lot to keep up with
0: uh, yeah. a podcast. I try to so, take the approach that you and I have done, which is very minimal editing. Like, don't edit if we don't have to. Right. But um, it gets hard sometimes. And you and I have never had a big spat
1: where we had to stop the podcast. No, no. no. Nope. In the middle of it. Mm-mm. Um yeah, that's
0: never happened. We need no. to have a little more controversy. Sure. Get a
1: little, media, well, get okay. a little press coverage.
0: Maybe we could do it on because today we're talking hamburgers with, yeah. the, with the guy whose family may be uh, most responsible for the American hamburger. Yeah, well, then there's no argument
1: there. People will argue it, but I asked him the question in the podcast. This would be... Jeff Lassen from Louis Lunch in New yes. Haven, Connecticut. So today it's not only Portland's Food Scene Podcast,
0: it's the United States right. Food Scene and Podcast. And this is a guy that you've probably seen I, I know I've seen him on like Food Network and the Travel Channel, because right. they always go to the to the birthplace of the hamburger.
1: Right. So and it re, people will say, oh yeah, sure. And they did when I said it when right. I posted that I was there. So Jeff Lassen, his his uh great-grandfather, I believe. That's how right. It, and we talk yep. about it on the podcast it was a couple of weeks ago we did it but I first met him when I was in Connecticut living in Connecticut and I worked for a radio station similar to kink yeah WPLR Mm -hmm. in New Haven and I called on him and he was just taking over the business from his father at the time and he started doing evenings which he points out at the podcast he's says now is his most profitable right. time late night Go until people two leaving tell 2 a.m. Bars. in the morning yeah um but i got to know him then um and they were serving burgers in vertical grills that were built in the 1800s yeah they're still using them um and so it's in uh, there are quite a few sources that can cite louis lunch as the birthplace of the hamburger. Right. Hamburger sandwich. Yep. That's what he Which calls it. That's what it's it. called. And uh I what I didn't ask him is what they were doing between 1895 and 1900 when they can cite the birth, the actual birth of the hamburger. Right. Cuz it opened in 1895. Well, th- right.
0: Well, and I think that's one of the one of the big things is like well, you you're telling me before uh Louis Lunch put a piece of burger in between a, a you know a piece, a of, piece of bread. Yeah. That the the hamburger sandwich wasn't around. Maybe, but like nobody was selling it commercially like that.
1: I guess and not. advertising, yeah, such. and 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 built the vertical. So in those days, they didn't have flat tops, right? Or they might have had them, but they weren't making a hamburger on a flat top yet. Yeah. So anyway, so I thought I had just returned back to Connecticut a couple of months ago, had and uh, had to return there with my girlfriend to turn her on to the birthplace of the hamburger. Yeah. We were doing our little lobster roll and mm-hmm. burgers and clams. And I uh, got into a great conversation with Jeff, nicest guy in the world, very um, Connecticut friendly. You know, I forgot to order a second Birch beer and he just hands it to me. Yeah. Says, here, here you go. No, 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 don't pay. It's fine. Right. Which is like, you know, just because I'd met him 20 years earlier, I didn't, just a really nice guy. And I said, hey, at the time I thought it would be kind of fun to have the people in Portland would be interested to hear where the to hear the story of the birthplace sure. of the burger and then it's still going on to this day. Yeah. And what struck me, I don't know if it struck you, is that he hasn't changed. They, No one's ever changed much. No. It's still
0: pretty much the same you thing. To, you go to the, uh, the website and pull up their menu and it's, I, I mean, I could probably count the number of menu items on may, maybe a hand and a half.
1: Oh, no, it's just a burger and there's burger the and condiments, there's... your options are onions and tomato. Yeah. No ketchup. Right. And it's on no. white toast. Yeah. So um, it's pretty cool, and I like the fact that there aren't a lot of options. At any rate, it's fun listening to him. He's got a family legacy. He's carrying it on, and it's a, it's a great place to go when you're in the, anywhere near the New Haven area. Of course, right in the heart of Yale. Mm-hmm. So um, cool place. Louise Lunch, Jeff Lassen, pleasure to have him on.
2: Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more with a delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zoo Pans on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove. And at ZooPans.com. Eat well, put taste first, love your food. By Ringside Steakhouse. Owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late-night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, a business dinner, or just a great night out, make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com today. By Portland Food Adventures, tempt yourself with an incredible Italian food vacation with Astri Enzyme and a wonderful October journey to Bologna and Emilia Romagna. It's all at portlandfoodadventures.com under the Trips tab. Contact right at the Fork host Chris Angeles for more information and special savings on these PFA food journeys. And by Gen Air Quality Appliances at Standard TV and Appliance. Standard TV and Appliance is your source for the best of Gen Air and associated brands, where you can check out the latest technology in appliances like Gen Air's remote access ranges with a host of other cool features for your upgrade or remodel. Gen Air and Standard, both staples in Oregon and Washington kitchens since 1947.
3: Our podcast is generally, as I think I told you, about the Portland food scene and people in Portland. But you know, there's a lot of talk about burgers in Portland. So we thought the gentleman who is holding the uh, banner for burgers in the world would be of interest uh, on our podcast, and for people, not only we have, we have listeners outside of Portland too. But um, I thought Louis' lunch and your and you and your family of Lassens over the last uh, what hundred twenty-five years is that what we're talking about?
4: Would oh, yeah, be, um, to be exact. To talk to you about close enough.
3: the the uh, derivation of the hamburger. From 1895 on, so Jeff, I'm sure you get asked a lot. So, what is your, what is the general speech you give about
4: Louis' Lunch as the tour guide? Well, uh, we made, uh, we opened in 1895. My, my great grandfather Louis Lassen opened business, and then in 1900 he made the first hamburger sandwich in the United States. And today it would be cooked in the same exact stoves that the very first one was made in and when if anybody tries
3: to dispute whether louis lunch made the first or your grandfather made or great great was it your great grandfather your great great grandfather one great
4: just my great
3: grand one great whether your great grandfather was the first
4: one to make
3: a hamburger what what's your response to that
4: uh we steer them towards the library of congress and that we're in there for that and uh Sign-dated documents that document, uh, we have from the early 1900s as well.
3: Wow. So I had the good fortune to have a number of burgers there,
4: a small drop in the bucket,
3: uh, over 125 years of burger servings, but they're made in some pretty co- when you When you mention the ovens, um, they're made in
4: some pretty cool vertical ovens.
3: Can you explain those to the uninitiated?
4: They're uh, cast iron, uh, made in 1898. The date is actually cast in the side of each one, so even if I wanted to lie to you, I couldn't. Uh, They're vertical, so where there's a flame on either side, and there's a rack that the burgers are put into, and you can cook nine in each one, and it slides onto uh, two brackets to hold it in place, and uh, the flame comes up from the bottom on either end, and there's a small drip pan with water in it below catch any drippings and you know meat that might drop off a little bit here and there bits and pieces
3: nice so how many how many of those ovens are in louis lunch
4: we have three we uh, that's what we started with and they're still going strong uh today
3: wow is there anybody there who's an expert on maintaining them that would be you i would imagine
4: I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I have a few friends that are have some knowledge in cast iron, and they have friends, and they try and get in touch with people on uh, the rare occasion that something should go wrong, but believe it or not, they hardly ever break or go bad or anything like that. It's it's amazing. They are phenomenal pieces of work. Well, they, well I would imagine they would have to be to last that long and make
3: such... Delicious burgers as well. So my math has well, also, nine times three equals twenty-seven. Day, you, so you can be doing twenty-seven burgers at a time, right? And the um, you don't offer many options. I'm a purist, and I think in its purest form, Louis' Lunch has served the burger. Probably, I'm guessing. Oh no, ketchup existed before that, right? 1857. Um, I would think. But so they're not served with ketchup, served with sliced tomato and sliced onion. Those are the options. And cheese. Those are the options on white toast. Have you ever been tempted to move off of that recipe?
4: No, we haven't. We uh, tend to stay true to our forefathers and what they did and how they invented it. And uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it is our motto, and uh, it's lasted uh, the test of time all these years, and we want to give everyone their, their credit back then and stay true to ourselves as well. And also, we just don't think uh, you need uh, any condiments.
3: I don't think so, especially if you're serving it with tomatoes. I mean, that's the whole idea behind ketchup, I suppose. But, um, you know, I'm always one that um, likes people to have an adventure, and I, so I think folks... Uh, enjoying something the way somebody else intended it is a good idea. We're so used to having our own way in this country that I think it's good that you, um, you know, someone can experience it the way it's been served for 125 years. Uh, when you go out, do you uh, – I, I don't think you get a lot of time out. You have kids. Um, you're working pretty have, hard, uh, but you, have, you go to some oh, other burger places to uh, –
4: out a burger here and there or are you burgered out i'm pretty much burgered out i uh you know when i go out i tend to lean towards uh, italian cuisine uh, i'm a fan of that big time and uh, uh, burgers by the end of the day and the end of the week i'm just uh pretty much done with it as it were
3: have you ever had a mcdonald's burger i have not <laughs> that's great I would think that somewhere along the way with kids and a little travel, that would happen. You, I first met you in, I think, of the early 90s. So it's been a while. At what point were you um, in your tenure at Louis' Lunch when that happened? Back, so that was almost 30 years ago. So you've been there. For, when did you actually start? When did you take the helm and when did you start working in the shop?
4: I started 2 days after I graduated high school which was in 1979. I graduated on a Friday and Monday morning I was cooking breakfast. Um, <laughs> and just went from there and uh, I took over basically in 2003 I became uh, technically uh the uh next in line or next owner as it were.
3: And you have you have a you have kids you you have a Uh, kids that you're looking at to uh, take over the helm?
4: I do have uh, one of each, a boy and a girl, and they're both much younger. They're uh, 10 and 6, so, uh, you know, whether or not they take over the helm together separately or whatever is still way up in the air and remains to be seen at this point in time.
3: You're going to have to wait a while to find out, too. So that's a lot of days of coming into work.
4: Yes, don't remind me of that.
3: (laughs) I'm sorry. I just want this to want this to be positive. But I I mentioned that because when we were talking a month ago, I asked you about um, taking some time to yourself because balance is important. But that you don't. Louis' lunch doesn't open any day if you're not
4: there. Correct? You're working every day. I'm there every day at some point or another, a minimum of usually seven to eight hours a day. Uh, uh, on the weekends, we're open late at night as well, so uh, I'm usually running a 12 to 15-hour shift then as well. So, But to answer your question, no, there's never a day when I'm not there. Do you ever foresee
3: that so you can just create a little more time for your family? Um, what's the reason you, you you don't want to open without you there? I know that you you know you bring a lot to the party, but uh, we know a lot of operators in Portland, and I've generally found that the the ones who are getting a little older with with kids are finding ways to get away. Is that something that's a goal of yours?
4: I wouldn't say it's a goal. Um, it's sometimes it's hard to step away and and. Set time away for yourself and your family because you want to make sure that everything's going exactly the way it's supposed to be. Not that it always does, but uh, you you want to be a very much hands-on owner, and that's the way I was raised. That's the way I was brought up. That's the way the business ran, and my father did the same thing before me. And you know, it's it's hard to step away at times and. Put, put in someone else's hands, especially if there's a problem late night uh, when there's a tendency for people, who, because we're in such a, a district where there's a lot of bars and there's alcohol involved, people sometimes might step out of line a little bit. And, and if something should go wrong one way or the other, uh, I want to be there to smooth it over one way or the other or solve the problem in uh, any way, shape, or form that needs to be done. And then whatever happens solely is the blame goes on me, not an employee. Well,
3: I can see that. So you're, you're also the bouncer, so to speak, uh, in, well, in the bar nah, area there. And bounce, New Haven please. has become kind of a rough, you know, it's had some rough times in recent few years. Is that something you've seen increase?
4: Seen a little bit of it. I I see uh, the younger generation uh, with a a much less lack of respect for people and and somewhat of themselves than when I was growing up. And I I would think probably when you were growing up as well. And uh, it's sad to see sometimes. And it's unfortunately become a way of life and having to deal with that side of people.
3: Yeah, well, I would imagine it's been going on since your great-grandfather was there, but it's it's changed in nature. And then years ago, the location was changed, correct? What
4: was that? How did that work? Uh, we were, we uh, the building we were in origi- uh, originally was bought in 1917 yeah. by us, and uh, we moved in it then, and we rented the property from the city of New Haven, and then uh, eventually the city wanted to, Tears down to make room for what they call the Temple Medical Center, which is now Mm -hmm. in the place where Louise once stood. And a week before we were scheduled to be torn down, a lady reading about it in the Tampa Times in Tampa, Florida, uh, saw the article and called her lawyer and said, please make a deal that's equitable to both sides and uh, sell them my piece of property because I'm older now and I don't need it. I have nothing, no wants for it or anything to do with it. And so uh, the transaction took place, and we moved up to Brown Street, where we are now, and that was in the year 1975. They actually picked the building up and moved it up there, dug out a foundation, set it down, and then we added a small part on.
3: There's your guardian angel, correct? Otherwise, who knows
4: what would be going on now. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, My father had... Thoughts of maybe moving to Essex, Connecticut, which is a good uh, 45 minutes to an hour away. Um, But uh, a nice older town in in Connecticut. But um, they say if you move more than six blocks, a restaurant more than six blocks away from your current location, chances of uh, it working out in the long run are slim.
3: Right. Well, you have so much history in New Haven and of course, a big part of the Yale community, right? And, and Yale is a big part of tourism there as it is. So, um, sh- you've had your share of dignitaries and special people there. Can you uh, share with us who some of those might be and some of what your personal experiences were or have been? Uh,
4: yes, Yale plays a very important part. City in New Haven, it brings uh, a lot of uh, people into town as well as students and such. So we're very fortunate for that, as well as uh, the whole city for that matter. Uh, I've been fortunate to meet um, some Hollywood types on uh, on an occasion. Uh, Steven Spielberg, to name one, and his wife, Kate Capshaw. They actually their son, I believe, went to Yale uh, some years back, and they uh, came in one day, and we had a very pleasant conversation must've been a half hour or so. And just never know that, uh, the gentleman was, uh, who he was and how famous he is. And, uh, he was just very low key and she was just as very nice. And it was quite, quite the conversation, uh, talking about this, that, and the other thing and wonderful people.
3: Did they talk about using Lewis lunch as a set for, um, any of his movies because that would be pretty cool and it would make a the place is really cool it would make a uh, it would make an interesting setting for any part of the movie
4: yeah it would have been really cool but no it never came up and uh, I never asked and uh, uh, he never uh, implied any any such thing and uh, but it would have been kind of cool that's for sure
3: yeah well you need you always need an agent there who's acting on your behalf. So you can humbly stay humble with those folks and then make that happen. And also presidents, obviously there've been a few presidents and wives of presidents that have attended Yale. I assume all of them, uh, the Bush's Bushes and the Clintons have been through there. Correct.
4: I haven't uh, met any of the uh, presidents or ex presidents, uh, former presidents at this time, uh, in my, my lifetime, but, uh, I don't believe my father has, there was talk that Mr. Clinton was, uh, going to come at one point and the secret service did a, uh, walk through, so to speak, uh, the area, not necessarily the restaurant and, uh, decided that there were too many tall buildings where, uh, the snipers could, uh, hide out and unfortunately do something silly and harm uh one of our presidents if that were to come up so uh he never made it to louis and ended up going I down to he Street.
3: made it before he was president though uh,
4: I, uh there's rumors he might have been there i again i can't substantiate them whether or not he's been there uh or the bushes for that matter but one would like to think uh one time before they all became who they were and where they stand in today's history uh... They may have been in. Yeah, I would. I would have to imagine anybody that's in the New Haven
3: area for any period of time. I just came back there with with my girlfriend for two days, and we had to make it to Louis' lunch. So, if someone's if someone's living there, they're going they're going to make it. And to what you're talking about, I remember when I worked down in Westport, about forty miles, thirty forty miles south of New Haven. Uh, a day when um, Clinton went to lunch in um, in a restaurant right near the Sagatuck River, and they did. They had the um, frogman in the river to make sure he could have lunch. Uh, oh wow! If we could all be yeah, so lucky really cool. to have such um, such accommodations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: that must have been very very special
3: yeah well just to see that and go what's going on here and it's the president's having lunch um was pretty crazy so um but so you've you've had Steve, steven S- spielberg and i i wanted to ask you how social media has been uh a help to you has been an annoyance to you because a lot of restaurateurs in the in the in portland i know can't stand the star system they can't stand that someone can make a comment uh without having even been there um how do you feel about yelp and some of the other uh, and instagram and all those good things
4: In in a lot of ways it's been very good for us uh without question it's uh Put us on the map, pretty much, so to speak, as well as uh, all these cooking shows as well. Today, um, it's really been been big for us. And but there are times they're they're absolutely right where people, uh, like you said, have made comments and when they haven't even been there and they're not going to show up because of this or because of that or we don't have condiments. And uh, actually, I had a customer come in a, a few weeks back and said, said, uh, you know, my friend would never come in here because you're, it said your hours were 11 to 2, and you're only open uh, three hours a day. I said, well, your friend uh, should uh, read a little closer because we're not open 11 to 2. It's 11 a.m. to 2 a.m., not p.m. So he said, <laughs> oh, my God, he never knew that. And he, that's why he never came in. He thought you uh, were high, uh, high, high on your horse and stuff you didn't read the hours correctly so you know it was more of a matter of
3: principle than a matter of the actual hours for that person
4: right right you know because in his estimation because he misread something he saw we're only open for three hours at on certain days that being the weekend and uh, it turns out uh, he was incorrect and we're open from noon to two in the morning Right. Well, I, so, I guess know, my
3: point was he probably could have made it between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m., even if he misunderstood, but he was on his high horse about you being, uh, you know, you being yeah, limited. Was I, mean, I would think, being on my even if that's what he thought, it's worth coming
4: in to see what's so special about it. Well, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate that. It's very kind of you. Well, I just, well, that's even
3: that there's word that it's special and if it was only open for three hours oh there's got to be something special about this place i'll try it so um yeah that's uh that's a mixed bag but overall so you're saying
4: overall it's been more of a help than a hindrance to you yeah i think so definitely a positive experience you know you're always going to have those people that uh, just don't find uh, it to their liking for whatever reasons they have, uh, that's going to happen in any restaurant. It's just impossible to uh, please almost in every customer that comes through your door for uh, every reason, that, no matter how hard you may try and would like to. It's uh, just not feasible, unfortunately, in today's world. But uh, it's definitely been a big help, and uh, we look forward to... Uh, more positive stuff.
0: Hey, Chris, let's pause here for a moment and talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse, which is now reopened after a brief closure. It's back. The sunken bar is bigger, and it truly is the place to go for pretty much any occasion. If you're celebrating something, if you're hungry for something, Ringside Steakhouse is the place. And it's a great great place to pause yes. and enjoy life. Yeah. I was just there last night. I did the Sunday happy hour with my son. You spend um, time cuz I typically go with uh with my my daughter, so I can't take them into the the sunken bar area. But you right. you spend oftentimes that's where you're going, right? Yeah, it's an unbelievable value. That's what I'm looking for. But
1: yeah. I know I also go and enjoy some meals at Ringside too, which oh, right. are fantastic. Yep. Uh I've had some great steaks and other things, but last night I don't I think we had we must have ordered eight things and the entire tab for two people we both had a couple of beers was uh, $52 for I mean we had burger sandwich three orders of shrimp cocktail which yeah. were awesome mm-hmm. so everything's between 375 and and 575 at happy hour on the Sundays between 4:30 and 5 and then after 9
0: that's right. After nine thirty, Monday through Saturday. Is it nine thirty? I've got it pulled up right here. So you got happy hour Monday through Saturday, nine thirty to close. Right. Sundays four to five. Yeah. And then nine thirty to close. Here's and here's a reason to go on Mondays. Uh, Monday is prime time and enjoy a three course prime rib dinner for only thirty five bucks while supplies last. You've done that. We've done. You? We both done that.
1: Yeah, we've done that a few times. It's yeah. great. It's good to. You know, when I order prime rib. That much anymore. So it's good to go to a restaurant like Ringside. Prime Rib is not on the menu in most Portland places, right. so it's a special thing.
0: It is a special thing, and if you want to set up those reservations, easy to do. You can do it at ringsidesteakhouse.com, or if you've got the Open Table app, you can do it through there. Set up an appointment for tonight, or tomorrow, or this weekend. So when TV
3: stations contact you, you've got a small little spot and you, I would imagine for certain shows, and I'm kind of guessing Guy Fieri's been in to see you, I don't know, but even he has wh- not. Whomever it might, whoever it might be, you've got to pretty much shut down for a little uh, while. Is that something you're with... able to do to accommodate a TV show? Is that something you're willing to do?
4: We are willing to. We have done it before. Uh, we've been on uh, the Food Channel. We've done four uh, epic different episodes: Crave, Secret Life of Best Thing I've Ever Ate. Uh, we've been on Man vs. Food. Uh, but normally we don't uh, shut down. Uh, we stay open, and they film. They like filming the customers as well. Get, see their take on everything and so it's uh, it can get kind of cozy in there with uh everybody in there at once but uh it's uh kind of cool
3: how many people can you accommodate in the inside at any given time
4: seating wise you can seat 29
3: wow i never would have guessed that i was thinking teens maximum
4: okay that does well, get cozy be- you well, know, because of those the, those bench seats around the the table uh, in the corner there, so to speak, you can pretty much get five to ten people on, or five to six people on each bench, and then you have the four seats there and the two boots and five or six individual seats and the stools up front. So it's close to that.
3: Right, and the and the people are still carving their names in the, in the wood.
4: Yes. Yep. They still do that every every pretty much every day. Something like
3: that takes place. Well, then that's a good outlet for people who have um, have a uh, defacing vice. I would imagine. Go to Louis' lunch and <laughs> get a burger. So if I go there, can I order it the way I like it? Can I order a rare burger, a well burger? How's that work?
4: You can uh, you can order the, the way you like it, cooked to temperature, within reason. Uh, we prefer that you try it medium rare, but uh, it seems more and more of late that people are tend, leaning towards getting their burgers more done for what reason. I'm not quite sure, other than I think because of the fact that a lot of other restaurants and fast food places uh, cook theirs more done now. Uh, I think people are just kind of getting used to having them that way, uh, but we, we think medium rare is the best.
3: I would tend to agree with you, and so where are you sourcing your um, your beef and your bread? So it's white bread. It's not Arnold, I would imagine, because that's what I remember back in Connecticut, but where are you, where you sourcing, most importantly, your meat? The meat
4: comes from the Midwest, and then it, uh, we get it through the local purveyor. And the bread is Pepperidge Farm.
3: Oh, right. They don't. Ha- I just realized we don't have Pepperidge Farm here in the west. It was a staple back east.
4: Yeah, we've been, in- we've been doing business with them for quite a while, probably 30, 40 years now, actually.
3: And then if the beef is sourced in the Midwest, how do you maintain... The quality level that you like, do you have certain standards Is your as your purveyor making sure that you get it from a certain farm. How's that
4: How's that work? Yes, our, our purveyor makes sure it comes from a certain farm, and that it's up to his standards at first, and then it's passed on to us, and then if it's met by our standards, then we uh, we do the rest on, on site.
3: So you try are you trying a burger each time you get a new you know, if because I would imagine it's got to come in fresh almost daily, right, for the amount that you're serving?
4: Oh, it is fresh every day without question. It's never uh, frozen or kept over. Uh, it's fresh every day, and uh, I try one right off the bat. And, and if it doesn't taste up to what I'm used to or what I think it should be, then uh, we start over again.
3: Uh, that's... Uh... So when you when you get the time to go out, you said you like Italian food, which, you know, having come from that area myself, I thought about it after I got out west. <clears throat> about 50% of dining out, I think, in Connecticut anyway, would be Italian, straight-up Italian. And there's some, a lot of good places. Where are some of your fav- favorites in the um, New Haven or anywhere area, area to uh, to imbibe, and, of course, that would include pizza, too.
4: Uh, I like Adriana's over on Grand Avenue, for one, or um, uh, there's another place on State Street, that uh, Portofino's on State Street. uh uh-huh. those two for for big Italian food, and uh, I've always been uh, a salads fan for pizza. Not that there's anything Sally's. wrong with well, that just water. changed hands, though, correct? I'm sorry?
3: Sally's just changed hands after many years, correct?
4: <laughs> yes, they did. Yes, they just sold, uh, sold the business. None of the kids of uh, any of the uh, brothers uh, wanted to take it over, unfortunately, and uh, it has changed hands, And but uh, uh, I'm getting uh, some good reports back, and I had some about two weeks ago, and it faced... Uh, quite similar to what I remember when, uh, the consiglios owned it.
3: So are you, are you one of the people that can call up and uh, circumvent the line that used to piss me off when I'd stand there and then watch all the friends of the consiglios walk in right before me?
4: Yes. I, I was one of the ones that did have that number was capable of doing <laughs> that. <clears throat> I, uh, did it for a short time when I was younger and, uh, well, I didn't know, didn't know much better, and uh, but would not do it today for that exact reason.
3: Right, and so I suppose you don't have anybody calling, and if it's not too busy at Louis' lunch at any given time, for someone to try to pull that on for themselves, correct?
4: Uh, well, there are those that may try it, and uh, you know. I'm not going to let that happen as long as I'm there. Um, You know, it's very important for the people that have been waiting. uh, At times, unfortunately, the wait can be anywhere from a half hour to 45 minutes on certain days because we're so busy, and that's quite fortunate for us. And then to have somebody come in uh, and you know try and circumvent the line, as you said, would uh, I wouldn't do it personally. Uh, and so I wouldn't like it done to me as well. So I don't want it done to anybody else as well.
3: Eh, forty-five minutes isn't too long. If it were two hours, I'd be. Ski- I'd probably go on somewhere else, try it again some other time, or maybe, come up and go hi Jeff. But I don't think, I don't think forty-five minutes is too long to wait for that delicious burger. And I also was reminded when I was there, you're serving, Fox on Park soda which is a which is a hallmark brand in the New Haven area. How long has that been
4: around? They've been around since the early 1920s. Uh, great company to do business with. Never had an issue with them. Um, we've only been using them for a short time ourselves. By that, I mean maybe 15, 20 years. Why, I can't answer that. Uh, they just never came to mind. Back when, uh, my father was running the place, and... Uh, And quite truthfully, when I was running it for a a while as well. um, And it just, one day a customer who turned out to be a dear friend of the family said, why don't you carry Fox and Park? And I was like, who? And, you know, and then it's like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. And so we started off doing that a short time later, and here we are today, and we're glad we've done it.
3: Yeah, but the Birch beer was, Spectacular with a burger, I thought. So, were there any things that were going on in the 90s when you were working there, but it wasn't really in your hands and you didn't have, you weren't the decision maker? That little changes, of course, not to the way the burgers are made, but little changes that you wanted to make that uh, as soon as you took over, you kind of decided to make them. Maybe they were ours. I don't know.
4: It uh, was the hours for one. Uh, also, the big, the big one, which is uh, a little funny, is back way back in the early 70s and 80s, uh, we we never had air conditioning. So, uh, day like today, which is actually in the 90s here uh, and quite humid, uh, it could get uh, temperatures behind the counter and inside the. Uh, the restaurant itself get upwards of uh, 95 to 100 degrees. People be sweat pouring off them, and hotter than all Hades. So I, my dad never liked air conditioning, never had it in his house, and uh, didn't want it for the business. And I got to know the uh, air conditioning and heating guy who we still use to this day. And one day I said to him, hey, why don't I meet you Monday morning and uh, we can put in an air conditioning. He goes, uh, what's your father going to say? I said, don't worry about it. I'll handle him. You, He said, okay, because I don't step on any toes. So uh, he said, I'll meet you there at 7 o'clock by, by the time your father gets in, which is at that time 11 o'clock-ish in the morning, because, you know, he was uh, in his 70s and 80s at that point, so he was slowing down a little bit. Uh, he comes in, he goes, what's Winnie doing here? Is something wrong with the furnace? And I go, uh, no, we're putting in air conditioning. And my father just kind of gave me that look over his glasses, and not too happily with a raised eyebrow and I said, trust me, it's going to be worth it, dad. And, uh, probably a good year later, he said, you know what? Probably one of the best decisions you ever made for this business. So, uh, I knew that, uh, things I had a good chance of working out with some decision making, uh, on my part. And, you know, like I said, uh, Hours change. I changed the hours. In 1993, that's when we started opening nights uh, because uh, daytime business was starting to go. Uh, businesses were moving out a little bit, and the city was starting to go down a, a shade. And uh, so we did nights because it was becoming more of a bar district uh, where we're located now, and uh, it was a, another good move on, on our part for... Uh, obvious reasons what percentage of your business
3: is occurring as a result of the later night bar scene versus uh lunch and and perhaps are, you, are yes you're open during dinner and lunch and dinner
4: um i'd probably say since we open nights probably 50 to 60 percent is uh nighttime late night well-
3: that's a pretty good decision. <laughs> That's a lot of business that you generated with that move. Uh, and more yeah, we people were very with fortunate. air conditioning, too.
4: Very fortunate.
3: Good for you. Do you have any, any little changes that perhaps you've been thinking about that um, you're going to make or that you're still thinking about and don't think you should make? Maybe you don't want to divulge some of that. I don't know.
4: Uh, no, really not. You know, it's uh, my father always said back in the day, "You don't run the business; the business runs you." And I found that he's uh, pretty much right on with that statement. And uh, you, you just go in every day and you, you take things head on when they come up and go from there. And again, if it's not broke, don't try and fix it. And, uh, things are, we're just very fortunate that everything continues to roll in the right direction.
3: So I have a question. I was thinking, um, I don't know if you know it, but, uh, they served a version of modern pizza at Safeco field when it was Safeco in Seattle for the Mariners game. And, and Billy Pastari from modern wouldn't. Uh, and I would, ima- I know you would think the same way if you were even go there, but wouldn't allow modern pizza's name to be put on the pizza there if he couldn't be there on a daily basis to monitor it. But he was okay with, I think they call it Bill Pistari's uh, something pizza out there. Is that something, if someone came to you, I'm sure if someone said, I want to open a restaurant somewhere else called Louis' Lunch, uh, we'll pay you, we'll pay you well. I'm sure you wouldn't want to go with that, but what if they called it lessons? How do you feel about that?
4: Um, uh, no, it it doesn't make me comfortable for Billy's exact reasons as well for, if he can't be there to watch the daily goings on and, you know, make sure everything is the way it's supposed to be. And, you know, all that, then I'm not interested. Uh, a company actually came to my father uh, back when he was fighting in the city for survival that wanted to uh, purchase the restaurant and offered him uh, $5 million. And as quickly as you could blink, my father said no. And uh, I've had a a few uh, people come to me as well and wanting to do the same thing or franchise us and... and, uh, No, it's just uh, not in the cards right now.
3: So let's say, I'm just curious because I find it fun to play these little games. Let's just say you're 10 years from now and both your kids say, no, I don't really want to do this, Dad. And if someone were to come to you and offer you $5 million at that point, would you risk the family legacy? Because, you know, you can't do it forever. And if you don't have kids in the business... It's not a family business anymore. I don't mean to cause you to think about a hypothetical, but I, I just find it amusing to think about those possibilities, especially when you have a legacy of, uh, you know, over 100, almost 130 or over 130 years. How does that uh,
4: I've actually been approached and offered quite a bit more than that uh, before, uh, about 7 to 10 years ago. As well as not only getting receiving that money, but staying on and running the business for an extra hundred grand a year, uh, pay, as it were. And uh, Uh I not quite as quickly as my dad, but I I turned that money down as well. And you know, right now, even ten years from now, uh, I can't see myself doing selling the business, no matter whether the kids want it or don't want it.
3: Uh Well. That's uh, that shows why the business has been there, you, and you've had at least two generations. And you don't know if anybody, or you may or may not know, if your grandfather and great grandfather were off for that. So that but you have dedicated your life to that, and I have to say, that's pretty incredible. And think about, do you stop and think about all the joy that you have given, not only your patrons, but how many people have worked there and, uh, you know, in order to do that work and especially before your time, some of them were doing that work in a kitchen with three ovens when it was really hot and really, uh, uncomfortable. You have to love what you're doing there to come in every day and, uh, and do that. Anybody in the business who cooks, I've always, um, admired how, how passionate they are about what they do. And you've got to, can't be any more passionate than you, but have you given some thought to how much pleasure you've created for people, the experiences and a, uh, there's a little bit of Louis' lunch in a lot of people I would imagine.
4: Uh, it's very nice to hear and much appreciated, uh, but normally when on a daily basis you just go about doing your thing and trying to keep up and making people happy and you don't really have time to give it that mu- that kind of thought and you know, and next thing you know, it's the next day and the next day, and then a week goes by, and then a month goes by, and now it's a year, and it's just uh, you don't really get a lot of time to reflect back and think about those things too often, and maybe on rare guessing, occasions when I'm, sorry, go uh, ahead. I'm on vacation. I, I cut you off. So, but, uh unfortunately, I don't. Usually get the opportunity to, to think back on things like that.
3: So, speaking of opportunities, you have two younger kids.
4: What do you like to do?
3: What do they like to do? And what do you like to do with your family on your time off?
4: Uh, we uh, go down south, uh, the Myrtle Beach in the summer, and uh, relax on the beach uh, for a short for a week or two, and. Uh, my son takes taekwondo, and uh, my daughter's just thinking about getting into gymnastics, possibly. So uh, that they like swimming in the pool every day. So well, now that, we don't. That, I don't get that, a lot of time well, listen, to. As travel. someone I know, I'm older than you.
3: But you, when we were talking about it when I was back there, you even said, "Well, not too much older." But I hope at some point you have some time not only to reflect on the the good things you've given to people through your hard work and through your the legacy that your father, grandfather, and great father created. I really do. And um, I also hope we can come out here and give you a little, maybe not a burger tour, but uh, we'd love to have you in Portland because I know you said but maybe someday there's some sites that uh, down south there, but out west you know we have better weather than you're going to get down anywhere on the east coast. never been out have
4: you been out west? No, I have not i uh, here it is there's a lot of areas that are beautiful as well. You were uh, happy to mention to me how beautiful Portland is actually, when we chatted uh, uh back about a month ago, and uh, that would be interesting to me to them out and relax a little and spend some time out there as well it's it's and it's beautiful we have so many
3: beautiful areas and we have mountains rivers i happen to live on the coast and enjoy some peace and quiet but portland in and of itself i think you might freak out well first of all if you were just to visit for a short time you can only touch the tip of the iceberg with the food scene but you might freak out and we have some pretty darn good burgers and you may not Be aware that some of our best sandwich places are two of our best that i know of and maybe there's some others but two are owned by folks who grew up in connecticut also one in greenwich and one in fairfield one's called lardo and it's rick Giancarelli. and the other one is a gentleman by the name of tommy habits from bunk who's got also who's also got a pizza place and we are planning a we're hopefully planning a trip back to connecticut to give people the consummate Connecticut burger, lobster roll, and pizza experience. And so um, yeah, maybe you've touched some people from Portland, but hope you can get back here and we can, uh, we can give you a little taste of Portland too.
4: Oh, that sounds wonderful. I had no idea that you had some other Connecticutites out there as uh, opening the restaurants. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's you nice can look hear. them up. Uh, bunk sandwiches
3: and, and lardo and Grassa and there's more. He's doing lobster rolls now, believe it or not, because of his oh, wow. love of Connecticut. So a little bit of Connecticut on the West Coast, and it's great to get a little bit of Connecticut when we visit and highly recommend people stopping in. What do they need to know? So uh, first of all, there's no apostrophe. It's just Lewis
4: Lunch, correct? Well, uh, technically the apostrophe is after the S. L O U I S apostrophe, and then lunch. Louis lunch. Yes. Oh, it is there. And I'm sorry. I was thinking of online because it wouldn't show up online. No, it wouldn't show up online. Uh, no. With the URL. Um, so
3: it's louislunch.com. Correct. And on Instagram, it, is it is it just Louis Lunch? <laughs>
4: I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but I have absolutely no idea. My wife handles all that <laughs> the online stuff. That's uh, the uh, I, I, you could give us. So we'll, uh, we'll let uh, people find it on their guy. own.
3: Actually, I found it. So if you look up mine, Portland Food Adventures, and go back to, like, June 26th, I think I am I got the handle there. So a little self-promotion in a way to get it. So. Absolutely. Anything else? Anything else people should be aware of if they're coming to visit Connecticut? Something they should absolutely do? And any Lewis lunch um, suggestions Mm. regarding timing
4: or the best way to enjoy it? Um, Best way to enjoy it is just to uh, try it medium rare, which is our, our, our way, so to speak and just try and be a little patient with us sometimes because everything is cooked to order, so there's, it can take a little time, especially if there's a line. It can, like I said, it could take upwards of a half hour, 45 minutes on occasion, and bear with us with that. And Just remember that there's no condiments, and we uh, hope you have a great experience and like it and enjoy it our way, as it were.
3: Does anybody ever bring their own ketchup uh, and you watch them squirt it on?
4: I've uh, seen it a few times. Um, They usually try and sneak it in. Uh, (laughs) I've had uh, occasion where there's been some younger people, as it were, uh, bring in big bottles. And uh, this one group I did happen to admonish a little bit because uh, not just my restaurant, but I think it's rude to bring in something, uh, a condiment, into any other restaurant and you know that's just not not done shouldn't be done these days and you know if if you knew right off the bat that you couldn't get ketchup so maybe it's not really the place for you if you like ketchup that much um you know or take it out and put it on outside because you know it just it's just not our style and right. I, I just don't agree with it
3: well if anybody's got a legacy, it's, it's you. And I sincerely appreciate your taking the time to uh, join us in, um, for a podcast that is 2,500 miles away. But uh, well, we have some people there, and we hope you share it with some of your folks there. Jeff, sincerely a pleasure. Oh, one last question. We met because I was in sales for WPLR at the time. Are you still doing business with WPLR?
4: Yes, yes, I still uh, talk. Uh, I, I talk with them on occasion, and on, once in a great while, I'm on the Chaz and AJ show, which is what it is now on uh, PLR during the day. And uh, Phil Antonelli's still there. Who, uh, he's been there for quite a while now, and uh, they have me on on rare occasions. And uh, yeah, what about Laportino? Is he still there? Yeah, Mike Lappatino is still there. Yeah, wow, We're still doing the afternoon.
3: Almost thirty years ago, so that's a long time. Yeah, good
4: old, good old Lappy.
3: Yeah, good. Well, good old Jeff and good old lessons, and thank you so much again. And uh, I hope we'll see you soon, whether it's here or there, one of the two.
4: I agree a hundred percent. Hopefully, it's there for for my being benefit. Actually. Uh, But thank you very much for thinking of us
3: and having us on. Good. I always tell people when friends say, when am I coming back next? I say, listen, we've done that a lot of times. Come out here. So I'm going to extend the same suggestion and invitation to you, Jeff. And thank you very much for being so gracious and such a great guest.
4: Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. And thank you for the invite. And hopefully I can take you up on it one day. Be my pleasure. Hope so. I'll push it. How about that? All right. Sounds good.
3: Okay, man. Take care. Thanks. Have a good, good afternoon. Well. Good day off. Thanks for taking your time off on your day off. Thank
4: you again very much. Appreciate it. Okay, man. Thanks. Take care.
2: Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at Right at dot com.